The Holy Gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. James Lemler is a former dean of my seminary, Seabury Western, in Evanston, Illinois. And for a number of years, he served one of the Lilly congregations in Indianapolis and had a very successful rectorship there. He tells a story that many clergy, I'm sure, can relate to. He said there was a family who uh, the husband and wife came to him one day and said that they had gone home after the Sunday service and at lunch they discussed the sermon. Now, this is one of many clergy nightmares. (laughs) What happens over over lunch after uh, that sermon on Sunday morning? Well, they said they discussed it for a while, and finally their grade school daughter said, Father James always preaches the same sermon. Blah, 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 love. Blah, 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 love. (laughs) And James said, if that's what I preach, he said, that's good. And I'm going to say this morning that if you hear nothing else out of today's sermon, I hope you hear love. Because I think one of the things that we need to hold on to is the reality that God is love. We have a hard time understanding the doctrine of the Trinity. I can't explain it adequately to anybody. I uh, have talked about it with my good friend, the uh, senior minister at First Parish, now former senior minister. We've had a number of conversations, and it's just really impossible to explain what we understand about God in terms of the Trinity. But we have ways of getting at it, I think, and ways of approaching it. But one of the things that all of us can understand is the idea of God as love, of love being this 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 aspect of life that permeates all of life. If you would look at the front of your bulletin, you'll find there a an icon done by Rublev, one of the most wonderful icons in all of iconography, I believe. I bought that icon uh, the year before I was called to Trinity. I had been asked by the bishop of South Dakota to go to uh, Neshota House, which is one of our seminaries that does not allow women to celebrate in the chapel. So he was wondering if they had softened it all in that policy. So I was to go and have a conversation with the dean. And he was very gracious, uh, spent about an hour with me and talked about why it was so important for them to hold to this position. So I left pretty... uh, pretty dejected. I had not really felt I'd accomplished much except affirm that nothing had changed at Neshota House. But I thought I've got to save this somehow. So I went to the bookstore 
<laughs> and when I got into bookstore, I saw this beautiful icon of the Trinity. I have put that icon over my desk and I look at it every day that I'm in that office. And I pray every day that I'm in that office that what is embodied there in that icon may in fact be what we experience in this community. Because I believe that that icon gives us an image of love, an image of God's hospitality. This is, uh, of course, uh, an image of uh, those three heavenly beings who come to Abraham and Sarah. And, of course, they offer their hospitality, that is, Abraham and Sarah do. But if you look at that icon, you'll see that there is an open place at that table. And that is the place where you and I are invited to join in that great love that is the Trinity, where we are invited to be a part of that fellowship. Some have called it, it's a dance when you talk about the Trinity. It is that joy and that intimacy that comes in dancing. But I think this image of gathering around a table, sharing hospitality, and us being invited into that is a very important image for us to hold. Henry Nouwen uh, has a, a fairly lengthy uh, meditation on this icon. And he talks about this, this world that we live in that is so difficult, where we see so many things that are so disturbing. And certainly we feel that today, I think, with the world being in what seems to be great turmoil. Doesn't, you know, it can be war, it can be the economy. If you look at Europe and what's happening in Greece, and then you see all of the natural disasters that are going on around this country and now in China, flooding in China. It's easy to believe that this is all there is. And Henry Nouwen says that God is always inviting us to leave the house of fear and enter the house of love. And as he looks at that icon, Henry says that he sees the house of love that we are being invited into. Well, I wanted to offer that at the very beginning because I think it's important, first of all, for us to accept the fact that we can only worship and love the God that we are able to understand, as limited as that understanding is. The experience of God that we have, whatever that might be, that is where we begin. The text that we have this morning from the gospel is, I think, a very interesting one. You know, we idealize uh, these disciples so much. We think that they must have had this perfect life, even though there are glimpses throughout the Gospels of their own disbelief and of, uh, of behavior that is not necessarily the best. But still, I think we hold them in very high regard as being the, uh, the epitome of what it is to be a faithful Christian. And perhaps we really should, because I think they are shown through the Gospels to be people like you and me. And I think it says to us that we, too, can be faithful Christians, even in, in this body that is imperfect, and in this life that we live in an imperfect way. This ending to Matthew's Gospel I find just fascinating. Listen to these words. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee... To the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, the honesty of that gospel, I think, is just incredible. 
And especially when you think of where Matthew has placed this, this little tidbit, in the most prominent place in the whole gospel, at the very end. Translators have a little difficulty with this particular uh, verse that has to do with the doubting. It can also be translated, they worshipped and they doubted. And doubt in this place is not disbelieving, but rather weighing two or more things and being torn between the two. How many times in your life, in your attempt to be faithful in worship, to perhaps say the creed, have you had that sense of doubt? I can assure you that I have. Doubt is a part of the Christian life. You know, we live this Christian life by faith. We don't live it by certainty. It's faith that draws us forward. And we go forward believing what we can believe, acknowledging what we doubt. If you remember that very famous prayer in Mark's gospel, the father who had brought his son to Jesus, uh, the son is possessed by, a, by an evil spirit. He asked Jesus to heal him. And Jesus says, if you have faith, you'll be healed. And the man replies, I believe. Help my unbelief. That is a faithful prayer. That's the prayer of the faithful who acknowledge, I believe, but help me. In my unbelief. Perhaps surprising to us is the fact that Jesus does not rebuke the disciples for their doubt. In fact, he seems to completely ignore it. And every one of them is commissioned at that moment. They're commissioned. They've worshipped and doubted. And then Jesus commissions them to carry on the mission that he began. And he says to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. To obey, in this case, means to hold precious. It's not just blind obedience. It's not just obeying out of fear. It's holding precious everything that he has given us. You and I are commissioned to do as those disciples have done. We are here this morning because of faithful people from that mountaintop until this day who went, who baptized, who invited people to come and follow with them to follow Jesus. It's not about following the disciples. It's about following Jesus and accepting the responsibility to teach to teach what it is that we hold dear that has been given to us and that Christ entrusted to us. And finally, Jesus ends that experience on the mountaintop with the eleven. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a promise that's not for out there sometime. If we get it right, if we do everything like we should, it is a promise that is for now, for us today, just as much as it was for the disciples that day. The promise is that this God that we seek to understand and who seeks to be understood loves us. God loves you and me. And God has promised 
to be with us every day to the end of the age. So for that, on this Trinity Sunday, we give God thanks and praise. Amen. Amen.